Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show recorded live from the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news reviews, comments, and interviews, but I don't say that anymore. Actually, this is our industry and technology show, which we do on Mondays, and uh, yeah, there's another show that we do on Thursdays. Now, I saw some comments, and I'd like to clarify this. But before we do, let's just have the rest of the panel interview themselves or uh, introduce themselves. Yes, interview yourself, Ian. I could do that. I could pull that off. I could totally interview myself. It'd be like, you know, just do a slightly different, do a slightly different camera angle on myself for me asking the question, and then the other camera angle on me for answering the question. I could do that. Uh, hi really everyone, good. Ian Hamilton here with my hand tracking and my quest standalone. Yeah, I only have this app. <laughs> oh no! And Medal of Honor installing on my quest, like it's in the background trying to install to the system while we're doing this. They had already failed once, and I restarted the whole thing, the process again. So <laughs> Heaney, introduce yourselves, and then I'll discuss this with Ian. I'm David Heaney, and I had the forethought to get the 256 gigabyte Quest 2, so I do not have this problem, and I will gloat about it all up. Okay, so Ian, before the show, says to me, I I only have the 64 gig Quest 2, and this Medal of Honor requires, what is the exact size of this game? 41 gigs, 41 gigabytes. I was waiting, Heaney and I were talking about it. I've got a screenshot on my Quest at, at the moment of the storage requirements from the store. But like, there's like a different amount that it needs sometimes to install than it actually takes up on your system. And I was waiting for it to install to check the actual amount it takes up on my system. I'm wondering, do they have a metric on the little error message that tells you that the game you want to download is too big to install? And if so, will they get the highest ever metrics by far today of so many people trying to install Medal of Honor? Because I've, I've just seen mine install, and I have the 256s, I've said. And the, the difference between it and the next biggest game in storage is huge. Resident Evil is at 9 gigabytes, and then Medal of Honor is sitting there installed at 41 gigabytes. So I imagine very few people who buy it will even have the space to install it. Wow. Yeah, I know. That is going to be weird. Luckily, with the hand tracking, you can do a big L on your forehead for Ian. Big L. Your lack of gigs. That is going to be amazing, though. The number of people who were, oh, $300, I got this awesome headset, and I can't wait to play Medal of Honor, and I have to delete literally everything off my headset to be able to play this game. That's, uh, ooh, yeah, no, Heaney, I want to see that metric, too. I'm very surprised that they didn't go with the route on consoles where you download just the multiplayer at start, and then if you want the campaign, you install it on demand. It's It seems like one of those platform technologies that Meta is really looking to add, and I'm pretty sure they already actually do have that capability. So it's so strange to see them take this approach rather than just let users download the parts of the game they actually want to play. Okay, let's get on to the news here. We have a couple things that uh, are more relevant to the industry instead of our pre and in the middle of the show banter. All right, first up on our agenda, ViFocus 3 gets large area co-location mode and Wi-Fi 6E soon. ViFocus 3 is getting support for a much larger play area, multi-headset co-location, and 6 gigahertz Wi-Fi. I want to start off by saying that I personally have not had the opportunity to try out the Vive Focus 3. I've tried the Focus and the Focus 2, but I have not tried the Focus 3. Ian, have you tried the Vive Focus 3 yourself? No, I have not. Yeah, it's been a while since I've tried their latest standalones. Uh, I tried one pretty early on and it was it was interesting, but it was very it was just fun, rudimentary room tracking basically at that point. Heaney, what about you? Have you tried any of the Focus, Foci? I tried the original Focus. I didn't get to try the Plus with the controllers, and we've requested a Focus 3 from HTC at some point, but they you know, obviously there's a chip shortage right now. They're, they have to make decisions on whether they give out units, and that's not something we've got from them yet. But based on the reviews I've seen so far, it seems like an impressive device for what it is, and I think this update coming with the, the, the dramatically increases its tracking capabilities will allow it to actually carve out a new market compared to Quest 2. Because if you're watching, you'll see that diagram up here. You can see the 15 by 15 meter mark. That's where Focus 3 is today before this update. And it's where Quest 2 is as well. But now 
Focus 3 will be able to track a much larger area. And it's the first standalone VR headset to get co-location. So you can have an arcade or on-location experience where everyone in the room is tracked relative to the same reference point. So you will see the person's avatar where they are in real life. And that's something that's been rumored for Quest for a very long time, since before Quest 2 even came out. But it's something that HTC is now being the first to launch. And what you have to, the reason that this is significant is because a lot of the experiences that do this today use a backpack PC, which can cost around $3,000 on top of the headset you attach it to. And then they have to use an external tracking system, either Steam VR Lighthouse for smaller installations or OptiTrack for much larger installations to try and make sure that they keep it all synced up without kind of manual workarounds that don't really work when you're trying to put many guests through an experience. So locations that start to use this can have a dramatically lower cost and that could and hopefully will be reflected in a lower ticket price is one of the reasons that VR and VR arcades in general just aren't practical today. Yeah, so this Vive Focus 3 tracking you from a wide angle, and I mean, it's just, it, it's almost impossible we for it to fail back. as a tracking system. But I think, uh, I think we're back, Kyle, here. Let's yeah. try our, our fist all bump right, here. All right, all right. We're going we're gonna to try the fist bump again. Across. Oh, don't hit. Uh, 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 oh, we did it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Woo. <sighs> yeah, we'll give everybody an opportunity to get past the ads. But yeah, this, the, we were talking, Ian and I were just waxing about the OptiTrack system. That's like a $10,000 tracking system. This is definitely not something. It doesn't consumer. scale, right? The, right. the OptiTrack system is just broken uh, in terms of financial scale. Yeah. And anything that's, that's entirely computer vision focused does scale. I will be curious, the, the co-location, Heaney, I will be really curious to see what the Space Pirate Trainer devs do with this in their hands. They have like a, a security system in there when you're doing the arena mode and you're both on the same half of the thing. Like you, you do have like a bubble of warning around you if you come within a certain distance of another headset. I'm curious how this works with the focus features. Yeah, so with, with Pirate Trainer Arena, I haven't tried it yet, but from my understanding is you manually touch the same point in the center to align yourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and face the same, the same direction yeah. and pull the trigger, and you, yeah, you, the, you move the out of the point. space, and another person does it at the same spot. Yeah, exactly. So that that's the most common method of manually doing co-location. So some locations that offer VR experiences like this already do that. But the problem, if any of those headsets loses their tracking point or drifts off even slightly, or you have to reset them, then you have to do that again and you have to manually do it each time. So it's not very practical when you're getting people in who aren't really very used to VR and you want to run a lot of experiences quickly and get through tickets to make an actual viable business out of this. But what we're seeing here with Vive Focus 3's update is that will be entirely automatic. The headsets will remember the room and they will remember the, the same reference point and align themselves together. So by default, without doing any of that calibration step, you will see in an experience that is built to support this, the other avatars in the same physical position as they are in real life. So you can't bump into people because it's doing the same thing, but automatically. So I think that this will really open up a lot of new possibilities for location-based VR, as well as lowering the cost of it. So explain to me, Heaney, what magic is in this headset, or is it software, or is it because of the Wi-Fi 6E? What allows them to do the true co-location like this? So it's nothing hardware. It is a software feature. We actually already see this in Apple's AR kit and Google's AR core. On screen right now, for reference, it loaded late, but this is just the OptiTrack system that you might see at a typical arcade where you can see this entire roof-mounted kind of array has to be set up to support these old locations. But with this new technology that Vive's introducing, none of that will be needed. But how it works is, just like in Apple's AR Kit and Google's AR Core, the most common features and the most notable features of your environment when you're looking around are shared between headsets. So they can say, here is the landmark of what these features look like and can align them together. So it's done in a way to preserve privacy in that you're never actually sending any imagery between the headsets. There's no video stream being sent, but just by sending a basic point cloud of the most notable features of the room, they can align that space together. 
And again, this is something we've seen hinted at for years on Quest. There's a lot of documentation there that's referencing this feature existing, but it was never shipped to developers. So Vive is mm. the first to do this. We've got faster Wi-Fi, which uh, has its pluses and minuses. And I'm, I'm sure that Heaney can dig into this probably cool. more on the technical side. But as far as I understand it, the the concept of the the 6E Wi-Fi is that it can pump more data faster, but you have to be closer to the router for it to truly be good. I don't know, Heaney, where do you want to go with that area? Yeah, so the Wi-Fi we see in devices today operates at two different frequency bands. There's the 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. And as you increase that frequency, as you said, Kyle, you can get a higher bandwidth, but the cost is that the, it will travel less far and it will penetrate walls less effectively. Regulators are just starting to approve a third frequency band for Wi-Fi 6 gigahertz. And confusingly, Wi-Fi 6 is not inherently 6 gigahertz. You need to have this new standard Wi-Fi 6E. And Wi-Fi 6E just indicates that it can operate across those three different frequency bands. And HTC is the first VR headset that we know of that is introducing support for this third band. And that just means that if you're if you have a Wi-Fi 6E router, which I don't think many people have and are probably extremely expensive right now, just like all new technologies, you'll be able to get a better quality PC VR streaming experience than you would today with Airlink or virtual desktop over the five gigahertz band that almost everyone currently only has access to. I, I hope just, just tuned in. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully... This is something that Guy wouldn't need to support, for example. It would just be something that as long as you're connected to your router, if Virtual Desktop supported Focus 3, which it does not today, to be clear, if Virtual Desktop did support Focus 3, you would be able to get this improved experience. Uh, we know that HTC has, has its own PC VR streaming system built into Focus 3, but how that actually compares on a software level to Guy's, uh, we don't know yet, and then we can't really speculate. Is that. this a special chip? in the Focus 3 that the Quest 2 does not have that allows this type of superior Wi-Fi connection? It's unlikely that there's any special chip. We need to check which antennas the devices are using. It's more of a matter of the antenna than the chip itself. The Focus 3 uses the same Qualcomm XR2 chip, which has a Wi-Fi I can't remember the word for it, but I'll use modem for lack of a better word right now. Wi-Fi modem in it. So as long as they, they have a 6 gigahertz antenna, which Focus 3 clearly has, then it should be able to be used. We would we can check the FCC listing to see if Quest 2 has that. But again, I'm not sure even Focus 3 had that. I'm pretty sure this is one of those things where they have to go through regulatory approval again. So there's a lot of conversation going on in the live chat right now about this in relation to Y-Gig. And there was, uh, sadly, it's Bradley. Yeah, I, I watched one of his videos recently that uh, attempted to explain all this. This is not why I don't even think this is considered Y-Gig 2. C- correct. This is not Y-Gig or Y-Gig 2. I think the confusion in the comments there is that this is 6 gigahertz, but Y-Gig is 60 gigahertz, as in 6-0 gigahertz. So it goes way higher frequency and can deliver a much, much higher bandwidth signal. But the cost of 60 gigahertz is that it can't even penetrate any solid object. So if you put your hand in the way of the transmitter in the headset, you can block the signal. And you can see that in the current HCC Vive adapter. So just to be very clear, this is 6 with no zero after it gigahertz, can you throw whereas those are 60. Gigahertz. He's and the basically problem- rapping in Ireland. Yeah, he's, he's getting... <laughs> Keep going. Irish rapper. Yeah, no, I was, yeah. I was just going to say, the reason you can't put 60, yeah, Onakazi's correct to say 60 gigahertz is so bad at penetrating walls that you would call it a line of sight technology. You need direct line of sight to the transmitter. And also t- with today's technology, the transmitter needs to be this huge big thing that you stick on your wall. Whereas Wi-Fi 6E will be able to be integrated into the same kind of devices that have Wi-Fi today. So routers that are reasonably sized and devices the size of a, a, v, a VR headset. Because if you look at that 60 gigahertz adapter that's used on the, the Vive Pro and the normal Vive, it's a giant big thing you have to attach to the top of your head. It's not just a little extra antenna that's put beside the 5 gigahertz antenna. Yeah, no, I have that set up and I have the Ygig card and put it into my PC and set up the antenna. 
And uh, curious enough, I, I took because the antenna itself it has a little uh, dongle, maybe put it like a webcam on top of your monitor. And I ended up taking the base off of an OG cam- uh, sensor. I shouldn't say camera sensor from my CV1, my Oculus Rift CV1, and it slid right on there perfectly and sat that on my desk. But man, talk about needing! It is super finicky. It needs perfect line of sight. And like you said, Heaney, do a little jazz hands in front of it, which watch me screw my tracking up while I try to do jazz hands. It will. It blocks. It it renders poorly. It's not a great wireless solution for uh, PC VR, in my opinion. Mm. As a matter of fact, I stopped using it almost immediately. I, I gave it a sporting chance and then went, okay, never mind. Yeah. I'm st- I'm still going to just throw it out there that I think these types of technologies it takes both ends to get upgraded to the the latest generation of the Wi-Fi for you to have any kind of use cases that start to become interesting. Sometimes there's an exception to that rule, but I'm really curious once you get the routers as well as other devices supporting the same standard what kind of interesting functionality we might see. So there's all sorts of wonderful, new, exciting things that uh, Vive Focus 3 is going to have. And I've seen some other features of this headset that I find very appealing. Uh, The ability to upgrade the internal storage with a micro SD card. It's got some things that make it nice. How much is this headset, Ian? He lets the so it's priced almost like a thousand dollars more than a quest. That's always how I think of it, right, Heaney? Yeah, it's twelve ninety nine, exactly one thousand more than a quest. But it's important to note that in price includes a business license and warranty. And if you add a business license and warranty to Quest Two, it is seven hundred dollars. This is a enterprise headset for a lack of any other de- good description. It's oh, yeah, it's an enterprise headset that is being given gaming advantages through some of these things it's being shown on social media with gaming stuff but it's an enterprise set i'm confused at who the target audience for this headset is in this context in a vr arcade it would be gaming but it would be offered through the company but I'm still wondering who the target audience for this headset is. Because, Ian, you wanted money to go out and get a bigger gig's worth of uh, – Ian, are you frozen? I feel like Ian's frozen. I think He's just he might sitting be. here looking at me so, with his head cocked like a puppy dog. Okay. While we're waiting for Ian, I just checked online for if Wi-Fi 6E routers are available with 6 gigahertz yet. So some were just released in the past few months. The cheapest one I could find in stock was $500. So yeah, it, mm-hmm. as Ian was saying, this is some, one of those things to really see advantages. There's going to be in the coming years that people see this. But VR streaming is probably the perfect example of what 6 gigahertz can actually do for Wi-Fi in terms of increasing. And I'm sure that in the coming years, any wireless PC headset that uses Airlink and virtual desktop style streaming will support it. But just to answer your question, yeah, it's offered to businesses and not end users, but a business can be an intermediary to the end users. It's just HTC doesn't want to be there yet, at least not in the standalone room skill space. I, I, Onakazi makes a point. I wouldn't think of co-location like this to be purely gaming focused. Now, Heaney, did you create this graphic or did this graphic come from Vive directly? I just took th- the three graphics from Vive directly, their logo, okay. their picture for co-location, and their space thing. All right. So I'm going to stand up here in front of Stevie, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that where, wherever this company that is enterprise-focused, I want to work for this company that is taking this advantage. Uh, does everybody understand what I'm saying here? This image is saying entertainment games or it's the coolest enterprise company to work for. Ian, are, am I wrong here? Am I over-exaggerating my point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it's, it's so going full circle with our sort of opening banter on just the cost of these devices. Like the developers themselves are going to want the cheapest hardware because they know the customers are going to get the cheapest hardware. So I don't, he and I were joking like, even if you went and bought a $40,000 gold-plated iPhone, it's still going to functionally be the same device 
that you can get for a thousand dollars and you can't actually functionally get a better iphone just because of the way laws of very large numbers work on on building that many devices and i just i wonder when we're going to have this kind of i want that experience to be like i want this to be more common but it's just it's not it's such a far-fetched thing this co-located experience you're talking about here kyle i i don't see anyone spending three thousand dollars or what was it thirty nine hundred dollars for three people to go and do a paintball together in a large open field. But I do see three people potentially spending under $1,000 to have that same experience. So now you have in James here as a rebuttal to my comment, he says, isn't a VRcade an enterprise of sorts? Yes, but it's a very teeny tiny corn because how many vrcades are actually open right now how many people are going to take advantage of this i remember when we talked about space pirate arena and the number of people who are going to take advantage of this right now currently is very small but at a 300 headset you could see somebody going out and at least attempting it at one point when this situation presents itself but how many people are going to buy a thousand plus dollar headset for the same functionality that a $300 one will have, but slightly more. I just, I find that's a very narrow target audience. And that's where I'm constantly confused at some of the headsets that are out on the market right now. We're going to talk about another headset here in a little bit. Who is the target audience for this specific piece of hardware? I, I just, I'm constantly confused at some of this. And, it, I, and it's, it, yeah. I did the whole thing where I tried to think through the economics of, of, of a virtual reality arcade, of trying to think through, okay, I've got four stations and we can have uh, potentially four people at a time renting these things out for so much time. And the thing that was always like a wired system, the benefit of having a wired system is it's more reliable. You don't ever have to think about interference or. Uh, a lot of the things that can happen with a wireless stream going between like your PC and your headset. Yeah, all the things can go wrong with wireless systems. It's quite significant. And Kyle, even like you and me, we were literally inside the void during like the last, during its like last legs, weren't we? Mm -hmm. Didn't we go inside Jumanji and it broke down on us in the middle of this thing walking around? (laughs) Like, I remember we were stuck. We were on this like precipice and there was supposed to be this big like aha moment that was supposed to occur. And we're standing there and we had other people from the team and we're like going, okay, here it comes and the suspense and it's building and it's building and it's building. And I'm like, is somebody like supposed to do something here? What's going on? Yeah. yeah like, it's like imagine, imagine like a, a movie like Infinity War, like Endgame and you've got the big final battle. And imagine Thanos is walking up to the battle and he's going to fight all the other Avengers. But instead of actually going to the next scene where you see the Avengers, it's just him doing the walking thing over and over again for a good minute. And that was what Mm -hmm. it was like for us all on these pedestals in VR, watching this moment pause in the middle of of the void. These things can't go wrong when you've got this many people going through them on a daily basis. And that's even if this thing works at the scale that they're suggesting just can never go wrong it can never it just cannot fail i would say that using standalone headsets like this just because it's such a lockdown kind of streamlined operating system designed around the specific hardware will probably be more reliable than the current backpack pc setups that you see because a lot of those issues are in that kind of pc factor interfacing with windows interfacing with steam vr and there's a lot of room to go wrong in those in those links you have hand heads. That was creepy. You had, you had hands coming out of your ears. That was the coolest thing I had ever seen in the studio. <laughs> that is very strange. I think my light flickered for a second there. It might have been. No, a- what I'm saying is, okay, imagine you've got like a, a front desk at like a museum and you're just handing out these quests and people can go explore the entire museum. The last thing you want is them to get four rooms away and then have this thing lose tracking and they've got to bring the headset back to the front desk and exchange it for another one. 
That's what I mean when things can go wrong. If you look at this kind of image, you can see the hint at how they're going to avoid that. The patterns that you see on the walls and on the floors are no accident. Those are very high contrast, differentiated patterns that an inside out tracking system would love. That is that this drawing here is the ideal environment for an inside out tracking system. So if, if yeah. the museum looked anything like this, they'll almost certainly be no tracking issues, I would say. So when you have this type of tracking, the absolute best place to go is a 1990s era Nickelodeon Double Dare studio. It would give you the <laughs> best, the absolute best. If you could somehow turn a solo cup inside out and do VR inside of it, you'd get the best tracking possible. Double Dare, man. You just took me back to my childhood. Stop doing like the nostalgia. Stop. I don't like it when you go into my nostalgia, Kyle. Should I? Maybe we should do a upload VR. and then so when you do get that headset you can't tell anybody wait are we back on are we, wait hold on are we back on did i say something i shouldn't have live uh-oh i hope not okay i feel a little embarrassed now because what did i say uh-oh Oh man! I hope that worked. Gonna... It's really hard, but if that worked as well as you meant it to, the timing on that was just perfect. He was Thank trying you. to pretend that I got my hands on a top secret headset, and unfortunately, I don't have my hands on that top secret headset. But it was perfectly timed by Kyle to uh, make you, you feel Thank you. Thank feel you. that we did. Yeah. So I do want to do a double dare show, though. I think that would be fun. The physical challenge. Hell, we could even get HTC to sponsor it, and we can all we can do the whole thing. In co-location, big studio. Look, they've already got it all set up here. These kids are just waiting to do the physical challenge. I can just see it right here. Eventually, Heaney will come back. Yes, we were talking about nostalgia. It's a lot of fun to to think that we could do things like this. Or Jeopardy. How about Jeopardy? Do you watch Jeopardy, Ian? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You do. Uh, you've, you've got a, your avatar has a, what is it? One of the celebrity. I guess it's an Alex Trebek look. Is that Alex Trebek? It, 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 I could, I, oh, should I do one of the must? Yeah, I, just the mustache. I, I could, no, I don't want to do that. But yes, I could, abs I would absolutely, I would absolutely host Jeopardy inside uh, VR. Man, that's a good idea. How come we have, where's the game shows in VR? Yeah, I tried one. There was one. There was one that really tried it out. I think on PC VR, and it just was the wrong. It was the worst possible timing where they're trying to mm. build like a community on VR headsets when it was just you're just tooth and nail fighting against it, and it was just a failed. I don't think that thing survived. But there was like a game show in VR. Yeah, Heaney, we're going to need you to build in the studio here maybe over here to the to the, to the behind me uh a jeopardy board that i can host jeopardy uh, sure scoff i heard jeopardy it i heard it all chat. the way from ireland it's just a little yeah. just yeah. complete disgust is oh <laughs> honestly there, there's a lot more going on in vr chat than a lot of people realize if you can think of it somebody's probably already doing it in vr chat right now all right yeah. I, I will go and find uh, VR chat has a fully functional Jeopardy world. Yeah. Ash tree eighty one. All right, I will go host around. See, that's Jeopardy why then. this. That's why the metaverse sucks. That's why it's bull crap. It doesn't exist. Kyle, if this, if the metaverse was real, if it existed, it Kyle read that comment. Boom, you're gone. You just go. All right, I'd be like, right? all right, everybody, I'm out, and off I go to Jeopardy. Yeah, and then I'm standing that's how at the, the metaverse podium. is supposed to work. All right. Yeah, Jim. Okay. We I was do. Just say James Lockman's yeah. right to say Altspace also had a game show. I, rem I remember it. I remember attending it once. It was a lot of fun. Altspace does great events. It's more of a focused application for events specifically, and, and some of them turn out great. Mm hmm. Microsoft pay you to say that? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I used Altspace long before Microsoft acquired it. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Altspace had its values. Each of the social platforms had 
its own unique things that it offered. So it's good stuff. Great communities, by the way, just in, in every single one of the social platforms. Okay, let's get into this second piece of news that we have. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Deca Gear to pivot reveals high costs and late 2022 shipping VR hardware startup Mega Dodo Games announced a strategic pivot warning of inflated component costs and long pre-order shipping delay for Deca Gear. Now, I want to just say I do feel really bad for every headset manufacturer, any technology manufacturer right now for the unfortunate lack of components. There's just nothing else that can be said. There has been a record scratch halt on a lot of technological innovations because of the lack of silicon. Ian, yeah, what is your yeah. take on just the lack of silicon? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean oh, yeah, that's the thing. Yes. All right. So, you know, boohoo. Very bad. Very tough for so many people. My question here, Heaney, please refresh my memory here. Is this the company that, like, you popped on to our chat group one day? And you're like, they got this new VR headset they announced, and it's this and this. And I spent a good like a couple hours saying, "Prove to me this is real." And I eventually ended up finding the co-founder on LinkedIn. Is that? Yes. Am I remembering all that? Or yeah, no? and we checked his past, and his past was that he'd worked in five different adware and spyware companies, and that's how he made his money. And he explained to us that it was actually okay at the time because Google and Yahoo were the ones paying for it. So therefore it's okay, which I guess that's fair. That's how the world works. If a big company's doing it, it's, it's automatically ethical. So I'll accept that explanation. Okay. All right, but that's the unvarnished. This is how we heard about this headset. This is what we uh, tried to investigate and find contact with these people. And if they want to come onto our show and explain to us more about what's going on there, they can, but like mega Dodo, make make it why would they why would you be called mega dodo yeah i never got the name every time i go to write about them i always start with hardware startup deca gear and then i realize no, no wait a minute that's just the product name they're named mega dodo simulation games because what was the other one deca brick they're going to come out with a deca brick deca brick os yes i think oh, they need yeah that was their operating it. system yeah oh i i don't know mega dodo uh the dodo bird was uh, has been extinct for quite a while. Thank you, mankind. I don't know. Should they pivot and change their name to Meta Dodo now? Oh, no. Oh, no. Somewhere out there, what's his name? Ord Kuntzman or something like that? The guy who started all this, the guy we're talking about, he's going, oh, Meta Dodo, that's great. We're going to do that. I hope not. Please don't that's do that. That's the pivot. But that was the pivot all that, along. That is the pivot. That is, and here's the, is this it? Yeah, I guess it is. Doesn't look like any other headset. Yeah. So there would be right now, in my opinion, this is purely my opinion. If there hadn't been a pandemic, if there hadn't been a shortage of silicon, I believe that we would have had, I don't want to say a flood, but a fair amount of other headsets hit the market right now to give people the options. Now, this is purely PC VR. There is no mobile. There's no SOC. This is just PC headset, right? So it is marketed and sold and intended for now as currently PC, but there actually is, for some bizarre reason, a full SOC in this thing. Deca, there is? So, yes. Mega Dodo have indicated that you know they want to use it for wireless without a 60 gigahertz transmitter needed. They've suggested that it could in the future standalone and i guess that's maybe what the deca brick os in the long-term future is talking about but given the kind of context of the news here and, and just if no one's heard it it's that the, the co-founder is essentially the finder has essentially said they cannot ship this product at scale at the 450 dollars price that they announced they will fulfill that for the pre-orders but it, this will not be a 450 dollars product given that and given that his estimate for the viable price is now $700, maybe putting in an entire SOC in a PC VR headset wasn't the greatest idea in the first place? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe not. But the challenge for the Deca gear and other headsets that are out there is that it's going to show up to the game very late. 
and might not be a viable candidate. Yeah. Now is not the time. Yeah. We've, for consumers, we've tried to put right. A word of warning in yeah. as many of these articles as we can. Heaney and I have gone back and forth on it lots of times when we cover about these things. If it's a Kickstarter, if it's a pre-order system, if the if the thing isn't literally ready to go out the door with a production ready, and they've got a bunch of them in a warehouse ready to go, you're potentially and and entering a very bad time for yourself. So if you throw all of that you just said at a headset, let's say the links are one, does that jive in a way that's going to be a challenge for them as well? Yeah, I wouldn't do it right now. Remember, I, I, I backed the VR ears Kickstarter back when Quest 1, I think, was out. Like it, 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 I think there was they were pretty early there with their Kickstarter. And I didn't get it until uh, a couple weeks ago, so far into the Quest 2's ecosystem, Quest 2's life. And so it's common, if you're going to buy a kickstarted accessory for a VR headset, you shouldn't realistically expect that thing to arrive before your headset is potentially end of life or like ready to be replaced by something new. And that's how fast this stuff is moving. And if you're making a headset itself, it's exactly what you said. You're potentially behind the curve by a generation when you actually ship the thing, if you actually ever ship the thing. It's like this thing we've always heard about with video games over the years. Like, if you take too long to ship the video game, you have to, like, you've missed a generation. And you have to go back and retool things. And then it costs them so much more money. And why even do it in the first place? And, yeah, yeah. just, yeah. So I, I would caution a, a difference in kind of categorizing Deca with Lynx. I think my impression of Lynx is that they're a much more serious company with more experienced hardware engineers that are used to this. They have a close partnership with Qualcomm. Notably, Lynx has said that they've actually placed their component orders years in advance. So they are not holding to the current chip shortage issue of Deca. I think I'm not going to say Mega Dodo each time. I guess I have to. I think Mega Dodo maybe underestimated the challenge here. And there was definitely a bit of hubris in their initial announcement that we're going to ship a headset that is essentially the $600 HB Reverb G2, but also with face tracking, eye tracking, a hip tracker, and a few other extra features like finger detection sensing on the controllers for $450. If, If they had to come out and said, we want to do this for $700 in the place, I think we would have had a much more kind of understanding reception there. But it's why would they set such a high target of that price point and then not make sure that they actually had the component orders in place and the partnerships needed to make that real? I don't think Lynx is in the same situation, but obviously you should still be cautious of hardware Kickstarters in general, yes. I feel like a lot of these headsets that are announced but never came out or they're delayed because of the silicon shortage or they do this or they do that you have to ask yourself is this a product that is answering providing a solution to a problem that nobody else has provided yet and is that still a problem a pc vr headset is in my opinion not needed right now now i'm not saying that pc vr is dead I'm just saying that a only PC VR headset is not needed right now. We don't need a new one unless it's coming out at 50 bucks and does everything that the Quest 2 does right now. All right, Heaney, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And Kyle, can we have a special, an episode where we say like our perfect VR headset of 2020? Can we just go down the specs, each one of us, what we think should be in the perfect headset next year? Because that's what we debate that in and out like, that on seems a daily like a good basis. End. That seems like some good end of your content. But just to go back on your point there, Kyle, of is there a place for this headset? You don't think there's a, a kind of big gap between the $300 Quest 2 and the $1,000 plus Index and Vive Pro 2? You don't think there's a, a gap there for a headset that kind of gives you not meta, but with being a $1,000 and having panels with resolution from two years ago? HP Reverb you're kind asking, of does it. You're asking the wrong question. Yes, there is a gap there between technologies. 
I'm talking the, about the gap in need or demand or, yeah, or, or the, who is that person that wants to the, buy that gap? The PC obscures it, right? The PC is this thing that like require it's required for entry. You're limiting yourself to so many to a certain group of people by having a PC be there. And you're not yeah, you're opening yourself up to such a wider set of people if you go standalone. And I think that's the hint here is you could have PC VR headsets in lots of different configurations. But what's going to move the needle forward in the PC like side of things? Is this the right kind of like combination of features, or is the only path forward standalone going forward? I, I yeah. So let me present Heaney the, this scenario. I am a PC VR like absolute fanboy. I have a computer that's running a thirty. 90 ti super top secret 40 80 ti like super amazing high-end computer why do i want to buy a 450 dollars pc vr headset when i could totally go and, and get an index and it's not that price anymore because right. the ship because the index has very low resolution compared to even the cheapest headsets today. I, maybe this is a controversial thing to say, but I really don't think that two and a half years on, the index is still a good buy simply because of that compromised resolution. This thing is higher resolution than Quest 2. It's got the same resolution as Reverb G2. It would be night and day to look into an index and to look into this. So I think people are looking for a headset that actually is updated after that two and a half years the index has been on the market, but that isn't from Meta or that doesn't cost a thousand dollars. Because if if index had seen price reductions over time, maybe we could talk differently about that. But the fact that Valve, I don't think the index is still a good buy at a thousand dollars, and I do think there's a place for another company to come in at six hundred, seven hundred, and eight hundred and present something that is updated for modern standards. Yeah, and I do agree that it would be fun to come into the studio and just everybody yak about their wish lists, the Christmas list, the wish lists, dear Santa or holiday deity of your choice. What do you want? What, what does Kyle want to get in his stocking or under his holiday bush? W what would be the ultimate and what would be the price and who would make it and what software would it run and what kind of computer would I need to run it if it's connected? And it's a big conversation to have. So maybe we'll do that. Yeah, I think people would love that. I think it's because I think about these rumors we're hearing about meta and the face tracking, and I'm absolutely convinced that eye tracking is fundamentally a, a feature of next generation VR. And when you have experienced a VR headset with great eye tracking, I think it'll be very hard to go back to headsets without them. But I'm not certain the same is going to be true for the face tracking sensors. There are too many occasions where I would very much like Kyle not to know that I'm frowning at to never, ever want to accidentally have that feature broadcasting my expressions. <laughs> Ian, I just assume you're always frowning at me. So <laughs> I, I would assume that like today, when you go into an app, it requests your microphone permission. There probably will be a permission they have to request for your face tracking. But if you look at the, the most played apps on Quest and on DVR, VR and Rec Room and the other social platforms are right up at the top. They're always in the top five. You always have an incredibly high number of people playing VR chat. Uh, Meta has gone on record as saying that they were surprised by the popularity of these social apps. So I do think there is a demand for face tracking. And if you look at Megadodo's marketing for this deck of gear, a lot of it has been around VR chat and that audience who go in and they see their influencers and some of the kind of power users already using facial tracking add-ons and think, I want to use that too, as well as obviously full body tracking and the other kinds of tracking that get added. So I don't know who wants to start writing this a while, but either Ian or Heaney in the future. You will, one of you, or maybe it'll be Jamie, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be Harry, I don't know, but somebody will have to write the article about the demand to suppress the facial recognition in all of these new headsets yep. because people don't want, just like Ian, you said, nobody wants to see Ian frown all the time. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so I've got a, I've got an editorial that I started this morning. I'll see how long it takes. Uh, you guys are both frozen. I don't know if I'm looking okay. Am I looking okay to everyone I out mean, there? You're moving around. I'm not. It seems I fine. I saw, 
I saw bad network in the corner of your tablet for a second, so I guess you just have packet loss, but we can hear you fine. Keep going. All right. The rest of the reality is frozen to me, so uh, that's a weird situation. I'm talking to frozen time right now. Yeah, the thing I guess I'll just throw in there is that I'll be curious to see what prices we arrive at for all these things, because what Heaney is saying is right. It's just if the facial sensors add any to the base cost of the sort of entry-level system, that's not high on my list of broadcasting my face over the internet. And I wanted, he's going to get mad at me because I was like, I want to talk about co-location on the show because it's like the biggest, most important thing. But Heaney in last week's show said that I should be able to go into FaceTime on a Quest because it's a progressive web app. And I did. I attempted it and I was able to bring up a FaceTime link in the Oculus browser window and see a FaceTime video call play out in a browser window on a Quest. And it's just one more step to be able to let that browser window access my avatar from my headset and represent myself from VR on a Quest, a MetaQuest, as an avatar to FaceTime, to Apple's FaceTime. And again, I've just described what this stupid metaverse thing that everyone is talking about, it actually needs to do in order for it to actually be true and actually to work. But I need to be able to like do a FaceTime call from a quest and represent myself as an avatar from a different company. And we're, we're this close. It's so close. Uh, no. They just need to enable it. No, I'm not going to do FaceTime in my VR headset until what they can see is the Tony Stark inside the Iron Man suit with all the cool like overlays. I, th- that is what I want to show up on my FaceTime. If it's anything other than that, if it's some avatar of me doing whatever, I don't want that. that you don't want to be the, to be the Apple baby no. avatar. All right, I'm going to head no. out and come right back in so I can see you guys again. Okay. All right. Yeah, I... While Ian's gone there, I just want to maybe go over the specific news more clearly. There's been a few comments here talking about it. I think we forgot to actually mention what Decagear's announcement really said. If I just scroll up here, one of the commenters has said, I think they've changed the price to $700. Let's be clear about what Deca has said here. They've basically said, we're going to ship the pre-orders, the 10,000 pre-orders to people who want it late next year, Q4 2022, for the $450 price that was agreed. However, they cannot actually then ship that as a wider scale product at $700. So their plan is, and they haven't given any specific details yet, they've only vaguely hinted at it, is that they're going to start talking to other device makers to see if they can produce and sell the device, presumably at a lower cost than $700, but potentially still not as low as $450. And they've hinted that there's going to be some sort of pivot here, whatever that means. Hopefully we'll get more details next week, but essentially while the pre-orders will be fulfilled this will not be able to become a wide-scale product because the the co-founder specifically said i do not want to sell expensive hardware and reference 700 as expensive okay i'm just going to go ahead and my opinion in my prediction is that's not going to happen that those people will not see those headsets the 10,000 uh, you know, pre-orders. I watched Six Sense with their STEM system. Hem and Hall for years. You get uh, a similar vibe from the messaging, aren't you? Exactly. And they yeah. ended up giving the money back to everybody because that was the right thing to do. And Amir, I love you to death. Please don't come after me for bringing you up. But I really wanted that hardware. I really wanted that hardware. I still want that hardware. But it's... It was unrealistic to think that they were going to be able to do that. And Sixth Sense pivoted as well and changed their the way that they talked about what they were going to offer. And then they're going to offer a different version. And they're going to offer a different version. Ultimately, just gave everybody their money back and went, sorry. So what is that red light? That, that, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Gone. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but seriously, I don't think that anybody's ever going to have a deck of gear on their head. That's my opinion. I think to be clear, they haven't actually taken the full funding. The, the idea is that you give $10 and then once it ships, they take the other $440. So even if they don't ship, people will be out of at most $10 each. So I don't think it'll be the end of the world for those people. I think $10 was low enough that people are willing to risk that to hopefully get this product. 
yeah, I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep over $10, but still. The amount of obligation that uh, Metadota or Megadodo feels right now, I, I just don't, I don't know. Uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. They are a victim of the current situation. Pandemic, silicon shortage, it, in a different parallel, what if universe, this is a headset that we've been talking about reviewing on a regular basis. Who knows? I, I think this is one of those things that is half their fault and half the chip shortage. They The problem is they set an unrealistic target. They tried to put far too many components and capabilities into a $450 device, but simultaneously the chip shortage meant that even if they had of been able to pull off something similar, it, it wasn't practical. So they probably should have aimed for something more reasonable, either a higher price or remove some components. But yeah, as you say, it is very unfortunate for all of these small companies that they can't compete. Because one of the things that the finder reference in this post is that he said the bigger companies can put in their orders and they'll get put to the front of the line and they'll get all of the kind of help that they need to get their components to their products. Whereas small startups like this, they're basically told you're at the back of the line and investors don't want to risk helping them out because they say, I can't see any practical ends of this chip shortage. I don't want to risk my money. So he is stuck in a hard place. Yeah, yeah. I do have some uh, sympathy for uh, the Megadodo company. I've, yeah. I've, used that, I've used that meme on Twitter, but if I, w- I would love, Heaney, if you can somehow get Jiffy Cat or, or Jiffy somehow, I don't know how. I know I can't ask Heaney to do weeks of work for a feature, but I need to be able to show me, so, Joe gifs or gifs in here but like that uh, that image of dr strange saying we're in the end game now that is literally where we are if you aren't in a place to ship a headset and have those components lined up six months or a year in advance you're out of the game you're you don't stand a chance and that's what this note was warning people was like they're just it's so hard on anyone that isn't meta-sized metastasized what Metastasis, yeah, I know. Metastasis, pretty appropriate. Yes, it? Ian did say GIFs, and so do I. We are Team GIF, aren't we, Ian? Yeah, I do say yes. GIF. Sometimes I say GIF just to throw some chaos out into the world. Uh, I don't ever say it. I only say GIF. But that's not the point of of this conversation at all. We're talking about uh, XR, VR, AR, QR, PR. All the R's. Oh, hold on. I forgot. I, I got to uh, stand up occasionally and then just sit back down because parliamentary procedure demands that I do. Man, J- Jason Rains says, you guys are cute when you're wrong. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's nice. Okay. I'm willing to be uh, wrong about GIFs. Yeah. You can't be wrong about something like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm on team GIF. You you are on Team GIF, yep. be, yeah. I'll have to. Don't do give it. me the reason. I don't care. I don't it's even fine. have a reason. Just because you two are on th- Team GIF, that's my reason. Okay. Contrary, I like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. Yeah, this is how debates go at Upload VR, right? Like pretty much. Care. This is I a normal meeting care. for us. Anyway, keep keep a tab open on UploadVR.com so that way you can keep keep tabs <laughs> keep tabs on what's going on in the industry. Check out our YouTube channel. Lots of fun stuff, trailers, interviews, just all sorts of amazing things. There's plenty to check out. All right, everyone. It's been a wonderful show. Lots of silly discourse and a lot of really relevant information for you to consume. Thank you all very much for watching. And for those of you on the podcast, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the future.